Wake up mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Big week here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. We will be with you through it all. I'm joined this morning by co-host uh, Jennifer Bikowski. We've got uh, Mark Ellinger in joining us tomorrow. Of course, we've got a debate on Wednesday night, some elections tomorrow. And of course, Trump is in trial uh, today, actually, on the stand. Uh, he has. I don't think he's... Soon. Okay. He'll be on the stand soon. We've got the OJ watch already up on Fox. Yep. We have this almost every time he even shows up. We follow his white Bronco all the way to the courthouse and then him out of the car, you know, to the stand. But today we are going to uh, bring you a little bit of new- other Trump news, a big win in court by a Missouri attorney um, on Friday. So we are getting to that here. But um, so we're, we're joined by Will Scharf, former uh, AUSA, current uh, candidate for Missouri attorney general but also recently joined Trump's legal appellate team. Um, but before we get there, Will, I was checking out your Twitter, and there were some crazy protests going on in St. Louis um, this weekend. Uh, what's your reaction to those? Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, it's really a, a sort of a tale of two cities. Um, you know, yesterday we had a wonderful rally in support of Israel uh, in, in Clayton by the, the, by the Clayton Courthouse, the St. Louis County Courthouse. Uh, that was peaceful. A number of pastors spoke. It was really an uplifting, lovely event. Um, then at the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas rally uh, on the Del Mar Loop, from what I've heard, apparently uh, an Israeli woman was uh, assaulted. Um, so it's, it's, you, you see these two very different, um, two very different just approaches to the issue. Uh, that on the one hand, you have people peacefully protesting uh, for Israel, for peace in the region. And on the other hand, you have uh, radicals protesting in support of Hamas and uh, and going over the line in the process of doing so. Really disappointing to see in St. Louis. Certainly, right here in our home state, it's just awful. Yeah, right in front of a Ben & Jerry's, too. No shocker there, the company. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Will, I was excited when I saw that you and John Sauer and Michael Talent were heading out to join Trump's appellate team and to appeal this gag order that was imposed on President Trump in the D.C. case. And there was a big ruling on that in the appellate court level on Friday. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, so on Friday, a panel of the D.C. Circuit, actually three Democrat-appointed judges on the D.C. Circuit, uh, stayed this unconstitutional gag order that was imposed on, on President Trump uh, in district court in D.C. by Judge, by Judge Chukin. Uh, we believe that this gag order is wildly unconstitutional, uh, that it's, it's, uh, it's violative of the First Amendment. It violates President Trump's First Amendment rights. Uh, it's unprecedented in American history. There has never been a candidate uh, for public office before who has had uh, a gag order uh, of this sort imposed on them. Um, we believe we're going to win uh, either at the D.C. Circuit or if it goes there up to the Supreme Court. Um, but certainly Friday's news that this gag order would not be allowed to, to stay in place pending appeal. Uh, we consider it a big win. Uh, and we're excited about uh, the expedited briefing schedule that the D.C. Circuit granted us. We think we're going to be able to uh, to get this done pretty quickly. 
Uh, Mr. Scharf, we always appreciate you joining us live. Uh, two very quick follow-ups to, uh, to, to Stephanie and Jennifer on the two topics you brought up. Number one, any sense on a time frame on a ruling um, about what you're talking about? In B, you talked about the, the different you know events, protests, if you will, uh, in St. Louis. Do you have any thoughts on Wesley Bell announcing that he is mm. going to challenge Congresswoman Bush? I think that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, so first, quickly, on the on the legal front, yeah. uh, we have oral arguments scheduled in front of the D.C. Circuit on November 20th. Okay. Uh, so we'll be briefing this up over the next uh, next week or two. Uh, and then we'll be in, in D.C. on the Monday morning, November 20th, to argue this thing in front of one of the highest courts in the land. It's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, on Wesley Bell's challenge, uh, Wesley's in. I've heard that State Senator Brian Williams is also considering uh, challenging Congresswoman Bush. Uh, you know, Cori Bush has been so out there, essentially shilling for Hamas. She has a lot of Jews in her district. Uh, I'm one of them. Um, I think she's going to face a vigorous primary challenge, whether it's Wesley, Brian, or both of them. Uh, and frankly, I don't see how, how she survives. I think that the mood in this area has really turned against her. I think she's been a wildly ineffective congresswoman, uh, truly just a disgrace to the region. Uh, and I'm hopeful that come January 2025, we won't be represented by her anymore. We are speaking with Will Scharf. He is an attorney candidate for missouri attorney general he is also on trump's appellate legal team will talk to us about your take on the whole dean plocker thing going on at the missouri state capitol and the allegations leveled against him yeah you know i was the first statewide candidate to call for dean uh, to resign as speaker what i think we've seen in the last couple of weeks is a steady drip of stories and most troublingly, all of these stories seem to involve misuse of public funds. That's what, to me, sets this scandal apart uh, from just your usual run-of-the-mill uh, churn-and-burn scandal in, uh, in Jefferson City, uh, that both with respect to the constituent management software uh, that he attempted to get the House to purchase, uh, and then more recently uh, with Dean's expenses scandal, where he was taking state reimbursement uh, for things that he hadn't actually personally paid for, which is which is obviously not allowed and potentially unlawful, um, we're, we're we're seeing uh, very serious allegations of misuse of public funds, and that's why, for the good of the caucus, I think Dean should step down as speaker uh, until these issues are fully resolved. Um, I know the House Ethics Committee is looking at a number of issues, uh, including personnel issues, I believe, relating to the firing of his chief of staff, who may have whistleblower status at this point. Um, it's, a, it's a really troubling series of events. I've been heartened by how many Republicans have been willing to stand up to a, a powerful public figure like the Speaker of the House. Uh, people like uh, Bill Igel and Jay Ashcroft and Bob Onder. Uh, yesterday, I saw that uh, Adam Schwadron had written a, a letter to the Republican caucus uh, calling on Dean to step down. Uh, I think Dean has some tough days a- ahead of him. Um, I know he's running for lieutenant governor, but I- if I were him, I would just be worried about survival at this point. And we know that House Ethics Committee is set to meet again this week. Okay, Will, and, so... Uh, and, and the House Republican Caucus is meeting later this week as well. All right, Will, pivoting back to representing President Donald Trump, 
Uh, he is set to take the stand in New York in that civil case today. What is it like being President Trump's attorney? And do you have any concern that anything that he says on the stand could affect potentially the D.C. case that you represent him on? You know, it, it's really outrageous what's happened to him in New York. You have this this judge, uh, Judge Ngoron, who really seems to have had it in for him from the start. Uh, there's a gag order in New York that we, we plan on challenging, we plan on appealing. It looks um, like he's it, been fined $15,000 twice in that one. Is that right? Um, I think that's the, that's the total fine. Uh, but the gag order was recently expanded to include uh, President Trump's legal team in that case. Um, I need to be a little bit careful about what I say about New York uh, as, as a result. Um, but it's, uh, it's really troubling that you have a leading candidate for president in the United States uh, being subjected to gag orders, being subjected to serious restrictions on his First Amendment rights. Uh, we've never seen this before in this country, and I think it's really important to fight back. I think this is an issue that, you know, Republicans, Democrats, people who like Trump, people who don't like Trump, uh, should in an ideal world be able to agree on. Uh, the First Amendment is really important, and when you get into this sort of election interference, uh, it's it's just scary in terms of uh, the rule of law, in terms of our republic, in terms of the Bill of Rights, and in terms of the future of the republic. I agree, and just the hubris of some of these officials that are bringing these cases and then these judges entering these types of orders. I mean, who do they think they are? It's up to the American people who should be president next, but they all seem to think that it's upon them to stop him from retaking that office and not up to the voters. You know, Will, go ahead, Will. No, and you know, I think that when you look at the, uh, the timing and the pacing of these cases that have been brought against President Trump, President Trump has said that this is all really about election interference. Mm-hmm. And I think the timeline certainly supports that. You know, you had this leak from the Biden administration to the New York Times back in April of 2022, uh, where Biden very publicly expressed his dissatisfaction with the fact that DOJ hadn't yet indicted Trump. Uh, and then magically, uh, he got indicted. I mean, it's been over and over and over again that we've seen instances of, I believe, political interference uh, with the normal prosecutorial process. And as a former federal prosecutor, I find that sort, that sort of political interference to be particularly offensive. That's not the way that prosecution is supposed to work. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's really scary stuff. It is. And you know what? Despite all the crowds chanting, lock her up, President Trump didn't do this to Hillary Clinton. And uh, he shouldn't have either, in my opinion. But it's just so disheartening to see how the Democrats are handling this and interfering with the election, which is what they keep claiming that Trump did. It's I'll, I'll say this. I think there's a lot more evidence that Hillary Clinton violated the law in a, in a way that was criminally culpable than there is that President Trump violated the law. Well, and we're, um, so I, I, I think that's an interesting comparison. And we're learning over the weekend some new polling out that's even got the Democrats panicked. Trump is leading in, I think, five of six battleground states uh, when put up against Biden. You even got David Axelrod out there now saying maybe Biden shouldn't be our candidate. Um, but again, you know, I don't really in the last two weeks, other than this continued litigation, you know, what is what's happening that's making Trump's numbers surge in your mind? Well, I think that people see the world exploding under Joe Biden. I mean, this guy has been president for a couple of years. In that time, we've seen the American economy go into the toilet. We've seen inflation at all-time highs. 
People are struggling to make ends meet. And meanwhile, we've got World War uh, two World War Threes brewing, one in Russia and the other in, in the Middle East. I mean, people remember that under President Trump, this wasn't the way uh, the country or the world looked. And I think people are just totally fed up with the Biden administration's incompetence. So, yeah, if you give Americans a choice of, you know, the most successful economy we've ever built in American history, uh, a pretty peaceful world, American deterrence abroad, uh, it, it's or what we're facing now, I, I think it's clear why voters are flipping to President Trump. That poll you mentioned, it shows President Trump sweeping the field in all the battleground states other than Wisconsin, where he's within 2%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, those those numbers, you know, polls usually underrepresent President Trump's support. They did in both 2016 and 2020. Uh, if those polls are anywhere close to, to reality, um, I, I mean, the Democrats have a deep, deep hole to dig out of, and I don't see how they do that. All right. Back here at home in our own state, you mentioned that they're going to the House is caucusing this week. I think the Senate caucus last week. Obviously, not a lot has been getting through the legislature. But if the, if you could, uh, you know, impress upon them to address one issue this next session, what should they be focusing on? I mean, I think education as I get around the state and talk to the Republican voters, education seems to be what's on everyone's mind. Uh, whether it's school choice issues, whether it's the serious, serious reform needed at our State Department of Education, uh, I think that's got to be number one for, for our caucus. Uh, you know, I've promised if elected that I'll investigate DESI. I think it's long overdue. That department has a budget of over $10 billion now, 1,800 employees, and yet no one seems to know what they're doing. 1,800 employees? Uh, yeah, eighteen hundred employees. A lot of those are in in schools for disabled children uh, that are state run. Uh, but it's an all time high for that department, and that number seems to just keep growing and growing and growing. Uh, the budget of over ten billion, eighteen hundred employees. You can check it out in the budget documents. I promise, I'm not making it up. And certainly, the thing that's not growing has been our test scores. So, um, like to hear we've, we've lost more ground uh, than the national average since COVID. Yeah. Even though Missouri schools were on average closed uh, for a shorter period of time uh, than the national average, we had more learning loss than the national average. It's sad. So Desi is not only doing a bad job in absolute terms, it's doing a bad job in relative terms. All Funding right. keeps going up and up and up, and performance keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And meanwhile, the State Board of Education's number one priority seems to be ramming through a new, new social-emotional learning mandate basically mandating critical race 